Hey, I'm Kim Forrester and welcome to Eudaimonia, the podcast that is all about flourishing. More than just the mundane or pleasure and pain, Eudaimonia calls for us to create a good life. It's about fulfillment, inspiration, joy. So plug in, relax and get ready for the goodness as we explore the characteristics and daily practices that can help you, your loved ones and your community flourish. The Greek island of Ikaria has become affectionately known as the place where people forget to die. In fact, one third of the population live beyond the age of 90. Well, today we're going to talk about the secrets of youthfulness. Can we stay younger and healthier for longer? And do we really want to? Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce are leading wellness educators, hosts of the incredible podcast, 100 Not Out, and regular visitors to the island of Ikaria. For the past 20 years, Damien has been working his wellness magic as a naturopath and chiropractor. He's one of the founders of the Wellness Guys, founder of Forage Cereal, and owner of Vita Lifestyles in Melbourne, Australia. Well, Marcus, in a former life, was a workaholic, binge-drinking, overweight, pimply journalist, and radio and television producer. Well, that was before his personal revelation and revolution. He's now a committed wellness educator, founder of Exceptional Life Blueprint, and CEO of the Wellness Couch podcast platform. It's my absolute delight to be connecting with both Damien and Marcus today to learn more about the incredible people of Ikaria and to talk about how we can each learn to embrace youthfulness well into our old age. Damien, Marcus, it's such a delight to have you with me here today. How are you down there in Australia? Very good. Thanks, Kim. Great to be with you. It's exciting. This is the first time Damo and I have ever been interviewed together on a podcast. Yeah, it's, it's very exciting and we are both very well. Well, I'm very well in Melbourne and I'd say Piercy being about 500 kilometres up the road, he's probably um, just a bit better than that. Now, I specifically wanted to talk to you both today because each year you host a trip to Ikaria, known as the island where people forget to die. How did you discover Ikaria and what inspired you to start organizing these trips? That's a historical question. Um, in terms of uh, the discovery of Ikaria, it would have been some Greek guy somewhere along the line, um, maybe a few, a few thousand years ago. Yeah, Icarus. that's what he'd been known. He discovered it. Uh, but we piggybacked it uh, because Marcus, uh, but he he read a book, or maybe listened to it, watched a DVD that was something like "Healthy at 100." I'm I'm recalling my memories, and uh, and Marcus said to me, "We should do a podcast," and so we decided to do a podcast. And then somewhere along the line, we saw a 60 minutes interview with um, with Thea Liz Hayes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, interviewing or being interviewed by Liz Hayes, and uh, Marcus said, "Let's go there," and so. And then Marcus, once he says something, he does it. And so we, uh, we that's where we went. So it was Marcus's fault, um, but I'm so grateful for it. So you were inspired, Marcus, by the idea of living healthily well into old age. Well, I think when, um, yeah, when I saw Liz Hayes in uh, from 60 Minutes going to Ikaria, I thought, well, this is becoming mainstream, what Damien and I uh, were speaking about, you know, every week on the podcast. It only made sense that, we should give our listeners the opportunity to come along and experience for themselves. And naturally enough, Damien and I wanted to experience it for ourselves as well. And um, 
Thea Perikos, who is a Greek-American, married to an Ikarian farmer, um, Ilya, um, the daughter of uh, Ikarians. Um, she is invested in this aging well philosophy, and uh, she's a wonderful bridge to have in Ikaria because she naturally, uh, as Greek-American, it's very easy to communicate with her because Damien and I speak very little Greek. And, um, and <laughs> a she's bit more American. Bit more American, and she's passionate about sharing uh, their lifestyle with others. And so, um, the fact that we were able to get over there and and bring a group with us, and then really become ensconced in this little village of Nas um, on the on the upper northwest side of the island, is just a um, that's been a blessing for us. It's that we we don't skip around going from one town to the next. We we really do live with the locals, and that's a really big element of, of what allows um, Ikaria to be the epicenter of longevity. It's the way that they live, and um, so that's that's really why we can't stop talking about it. Okay, which brings me to the point. Researchers have obviously become fascinated with the lifestyle of Ikarians, and, and we'll get to some of that later, but let's start with you, Damien. What factor of life on Ikaria did you find most surprising? Uh, the hardship, I think, Kim, it's, for me, what was interesting is that there's not a lot of mod cons. You know, no one's sitting there watching television unless the World Cup's on. And there's there's really not, you know, people aren't watching Netflix. There's not a lot of interweb. And it's just a really simple life. So maybe the house still leaks. Um, the plumbing's all exposed. Uh, the water around the island runs along the road, um, not underground. And uh, so that it's... It's very almost um, primitive, uh, but yeah. very very comfortable at the same time. So, uh, to experience what they they experience now, which is probably what we might have experienced in say the nineteen sixties or maybe nineteen seventies, it's it's kind of refreshing. But they're moving along the leaps of bounds because only a hundred years ago they hadn't changed for like seven hundred years or six hundred years. So they um, they kind of reject all the mod cons in favour of maintaining a sense of community, which I really I resonated with. I loved it. I, I thought that, that was the best thing since sliced bread, for sure. And I think the mod con of time is probably, and I say that as an oxymoron because it's been around forever, but that's probably the thing that, that struck me is that they just don't rush for anything, and there is no word of a lie. They, even if they're late for a plane, they wouldn't even know how to rush to the airport. Um, it's just not something that they can do. And it's it's disconcerting for people when you first get to the island that they just don't know how to rush. There's not an ounce of urgency in their genome. And it's um, it's fascinating. And it does, you know, the longer you're there, the more you can adjust to it. And then I know Damien and I, on returning from our first trip uh, from Icaria in 2016, um, we both, you know, struggled to get back into the pace of life uh, uh, on our return because a part of you resists that. You want to go back to this slower way of living. Yes, we like the buzz of, of, of our 2018 or 2019 lifestyles, but um, that's definitely something that they have no interest in adopting. They, they mm. don't want a faster life. Well, what's fascinating is that an easy pace of life is literally one of the factors that researchers believe contributes to the longevity of Ikarians. So having experienced what you've experienced on the island, do you think that we rush too much in our modern lives? And is it a fantasy to think that we can live like the Ikarians in Melbourne or London or Singapore? Well, can I answer this one first, PC? Do you mind? Yeah, 
Because yeah, I, I love this question. I, I think that uh, the funny thing about research is, uh, and researchers is that they're looking for the one thing, like the magic bullet. And we've always been in search of, you know, the, the magic bullet that uh, is the elixir of life or whatever it actually is. But it's a, you know, if you've ever watched the Australian movie The Castle, it's not so much that somebody's breaking the law or doing the wrong thing or they're living the wrong way. Um, it's, it's, this, it's the Marbo. It's the Constitution. It's uh, it's the feeling. It's it's the intention. So mm. when you try to research, it's the way the, you do it, Doug. It's just the way you do it. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it, you know, so when I look at these researchers trying to find the one thing, and they try to narrow it down to a chemical that might be found in rosemary, um, or they narrow it down to the pace of life um, as being a contributing factor, I kind of go, yeah. It kind of is, but we're being very reductionistic about it and maybe being very biomechanical about it in that we're trying to look for something that's very um, Newtonian and physical and physics-based that could be the answer for this longevity. When in actual fact, there's this feeling um, of this, and, and, you know, Marcus and I spoke about this only um, a little while ago, speaking about the magic of this place. There's something that happens in this place that's very, very different and, and you can actually bring that feeling back. You can bring it back. But the way in which you bring it back is by being there and then being there with somebody else to be able to continue to talk about what that feeling was and, and what they did. And each time that Marcus and I talk about Ikaria, I feel like we've just come back from being in Ikaria. It's like it mm-hmm. reignites this magic, this feeling. And maybe it's it's not possible to eat the same way as the way in which they do in Ikaria, though we give it a nudge. And maybe it's not possible to slow down to the extent to which they slow down and ignore the time clock or 24 hours a day. But we, you know, we kind of maintain a consciousness about it and keep it in context. But what's really important is to continue to be reminded of the magic of the place and, and what actually comes from there when you bring it back. Because you bring back a little piece of Ikaria that never leaves Ikaria. So you're taking something from Ikaria, but it's not like it becomes deficient in it. Oh, that is – you've said that. You hit the nail on the head, Damo, with the word magic. That is the feeling and that is the, the, the vocabulary that we use. But there's a couple of things um, just to expand on that, Kim. When we came back, well, I know one thing that I did, I stopped working at night. That was one thing that I really learned in your career was I was not, – not burning the candle, but I realized for me that I had to stop working at night as a way to – um, not only recharge my batteries, but reconnect with myself, strengthen my relationship with my wife, because that's often the time that we get to cool. connect um, cool. is at night. And um, and Damo was talking about that whole clock time thing, which I think is right. You can't avoid clock time. Um, but I think what I recognized when I came back from Icaria is just it's such a little thing, but we had a clock in the kitchen and I had the time on my laptop and I spent a large chunk of my day on my computer and uh, and if I'm at home, I'm cooking breakfast in the morning and so on and so forth. And, and I just realized how repetitive a habit it was to be looking at the time. And then what I realized was that look at the time gave me an emotion. And often it was an emotion that I didn't necessarily like. Often, very rarely did I look at the time and feel a sense of calm. Often look at the time and it, it, it created a cascade of thoughts. I've got to do this. I've only got this much time to do that. And I better get this done before that happens. And, and so... um first time coming back from my career, I just removed those two clocks. And I don't know what impact it made. I just know that I'm really glad that I did it because I think I'm far less attached to time than I used to be. But even having said that, I still happily say that I feel like time is my enemy at certain times of the day. And I don't think I'd be um, 
unhuman in saying that because I think most of us would say the same thing at certain times of the day. One thing I do want to talk about on Ikaria, because this pops up in so many of my interviews, is the apparent social connection that the locals enjoy. Look, it's said that Ikarian locals enjoy a wonderful social connection and are incredibly close and connected. Is that what you found there? They do, yeah. Well, they do, and more beyond social. Like, I, I, I would suspect that because that the origins of all of the people on Ikaria come from 70 families, um, that obviously almost every single person on the island is going to be related to each other at some level. Um, there's a knowingness about everybody in the community, but also on the island. It's like 7,500 people on the island. So everyone's connected somehow. And it's probably almost a bit like um, the movie with the blue people. What was the movie with the blue people? Uh, Avatar. Avatar. That's oh, the one. Avatar. Yeah, yeah, it's like the connectedness of all things. And, and they yeah. are, they're so connected mm-hmm. in the community and they're aware of everything that's happening in the community. And there's not a lot of secrets that go on. Like everybody knows something about everybody and everybody knows everything that's happening in everybody's life. Um, and I think that's something that's very, very refreshing about that. It comes with no judgment. It comes with um, mm. the ability to help each other out in tough times. It comes with um, the ability to just rest on somebody or lean on somebody's shoulder. Like there's a, a really nice comfort um, when you've got an extended family that uh, that knows everything that's happening in your life because they can help you. It's not it's not a judgmental thing. Look, the isolation of individuals in our societies is pervasive and is detrimental to our well-being in so many ways. Marcus, did you notice the social connection on Ikaria? And do you think that there are ways we can incorporate better connection into our modern lives? Oh, absolutely. Look, I, I am a raging extrovert, as is Damo. So socialising for us is not actually a challenge in our lives, but it's not a challenge for us because it's a high priority for us. We yeah. we feed off other people. And um, rightly or wrongly, a lot of people find that difficult. And I often say when I'm doing talks that socialising is a muscle. We can't ignore the fact that if you don't socialise, that ability or that skill atrophies. And we have uh, many of us have lost that ability to do it naturally. We have all of these mantras now around I don't have time, which is really just saying it's not important enough. We have belief systems around stranger danger. Um, we don't really feel comfortable talking to strangers because we're not sure what deep, dark past that lingers. Um, and that's not even in the consciousness of Ikaria. And so what we notice with attendees is they are almost shocked at the grace and ease of which they can socialize in Ikaria, no matter how introverted they may be or how shy they might say they are when they're back at home. Um, and there is, coming back to that magic of the island, people genuinely say that one of the big things they get out of being in Ikaria is the socializing. And as weird as that sounds, you know, people travel halfway around the world to recapture the magic um, of a social life. And I don't know if that's sad or if that's incredible um, or a bit of both, but that just goes to show how powerful socializing is, that that is one of the major um, benefits uh, that people find when, when they visit this island where people forget to die. Well, certainly as an expat, I understand the desire, the need to seek out social connection with people who understand you and who accept you for who you are. I think we all do that as immigrants because, look, expat life can be really challenging in many ways. But tell me, have you both changed the way you socialize since you started visiting Ikaria? Oh, um, 
Well, after that's a great question, Kim. Um, well, I, I I think I have, but I socialize. I, I love socializing, as Mark has said, and it's part of what fuels me up. And my social life is is with me every single day because as a chiropractor, I get to see a lot of people, and that's part of my social life. But my social life outside of that, with my mates, my best mates, my family, all of that sort of things, kind of still remained. But where it used to maybe be a little bit um, reduced was in my wife's reluctance to socialise as much as what I like to socialise. Mm. So I thought the best way to get around that was to bring my wife with me to Ikaria next time. And so she did. She came to Ikaria uh, last time, and now my social life is way more flexible. So mm. um, it's it's improved um, somewhat because there's – a more relaxed approach to inviting people into our home more regularly um, through the week rather than just on the weekends. And it might only be for one or two hours. It doesn't have to be like for three or four or five hours like you might do on a weekend. It can just be a nice little drop-in. And that, that flexibility around mm. meeting your neighbours and being with your friends and, and, and that sort of stuff that maybe we might have done in the 70s or 80s in Australia um, is coming back into our lifestyle. So that's, that's improved. And how about you, Marcus? Oh, personally, one of the things that, that comes up when you ask that question, uh, and it is a great question, is actually around alcohol. Um, so I was a raging vegan for six or seven years, and that included probably five or six of those years grog-free. And then uh, when we went to Ikaria 2016, um, I had resumed having a, a beer or a glass of wine every now and again. But what I learned in Ikaria is that they don't drink unless there is someone else to drink with. Whereas in Australia, Australasia, and probably the mm. modern world, uh, a lot of people drink alone. Um, they don't drink on an empty stomach, whereas in Australia specifically, it's almost seen as glorified to drink on an empty stomach because you get drunk more quickly. Um, and they only, uh, yeah, they, they eat whilst they drink. And so I think the big key around socializing for me when I came back was just the art of socializing and that was just the art around food they die all of their food is served family style it's not mm. that everyone's food is served on one plate and that's the food that you'll be given you actually have a level of freedom and and original thought around the food that you're going to eat based on what your body wants at the time but it's also um the way that yeah particularly around alcohol there's, they're, they're often dancing in Ikaria if there's a drink or they're having conversations with others and so I think that art of socializing um, is something that I really have wanted to mature in my own life um, having yeah having now been to Ikaria a couple of times. Now another interesting thing I want to talk about is that studies have shown that our negative attitude towards aging actually increases our chances of developing dementia and Alzheimer's. Now, certainly, we seem to fear growing older in our modern world. So did you see that same fear of growing older when you were on Ikaria? Well, uh, there's actually more of a celebration as you get older. Um, we celebrated our like, – cel- there's a lady, a beautiful lady, um, um, Shona, who came with us on our first trip and Shona was celebrating her 76th birthday and we kept calling her 75 and uh, she would say, no, no, we kept saying she was 76 until she turned, but she was 75. And then when she turned it, we had a little, you know, happy birthday for her. And there was a little bit of a surprise that we were celebrating 75 years old or 76 years old, because over there you're not considered to be old and you don't really celebrate aging um, until you get to like 90 something. And so there was just a different perspective around it. And there's definitely 
no fear around it because for them there's um, an inclusiveness as you as you age. So the young people will chat with the old people, and the old people will chat with the young people, and they and they both learn from each other. So there's not a reducing relevance um, or perceived re- reduction in relevance for people who are aging. So there's not fear around it, and they maintain the mobility. So it's not like here in Australia in the Western world where you know, as you get older, you sell your house and you get shipped off into a, a mm. retirement village and then a nursing home. Um, they do have a nursing home in Ikaria, but it's relatively empty. There's not there many are six people, people. There's six people in the nursing home. That's how yeah. that's how hidden their view of aging is. They, they hardly even have a concept for it. It's just kind of life. Like they just get about life, and it's not that life's coming to an end. It's just this is what life is. So, and they they're all they appear to be at peace with it. Well, what strikes me then is that the reason we resist growing older is possibly because we know how we treat the elderly in our society and we fear becoming ostracized and ignored in our later years. So, Marcus, on Ikaria, did you notice a different attitude toward older residents? Is there a respect for the elderly that we're missing in our Western society? In, in the Ikaria and in many European cultures, there is no way in living hell that you would put your parent into a nursing home it's just it's just against their culture it's it's an it's a what's the word you are um deserting them at their greatest need now that's not to point the finger at any of us australians or other westerners that have parents in a nursing home what i'm saying is it's just not part of their culture unless it's under the most extreme of circumstances as it is for those six people so it's not it's just not something that they would do for Many, again, European, I can't speak for other cultures, but I know for many European cultures, it just brings shame to their family to do it. It's just not the way that they behave. So anyone that's older that needs a helping hand lives with their family, lives with their children and their and their grandchildren. And um, there is many, whether it's scientific or anecdotal research, to suggest that that does bring a greater level of health and fulfillment to the aging person to be surrounded by people that love mm-hmm. them and that they love. And, look, I'm not here to point fingers at the way that it's done in, in other countries. All I know is is that, you know, when I'm getting older, um, I will be campaigning till I am uh, mm-hmm. out of oxygen that I live with my children or my grandchildren or whoever else that wants to be around me so that every day that I wake up, I've got people around me that I love and love hanging around because um, – whether that's whether you're 25 or 95, uh, there's nothing better like um, QT, as Damien and I like to call it, quality time um, with people that you love. What I'm seeing, though, is that many people are running around looking for that fountain of youth and would obviously dearly love to remain youthful well into old age. But it seems to me that maybe one of the most important things we can change is our attitude towards aging in the elderly. Look, perhaps if we stop treating old age as something to fear or resist or ignore, then we will retain the sense of youthfulness that we're actually seeking. You have to go against the grain to do that, though. If, if, uh, so if my mum is going to come and live with me, then yes. I'm going to get 29,000 questions from people going, why don't you stick her in a home? Why are you going to bring her inside? <laughs> Think of all the stress that's going to create on you and your poor mum and yeah. you know what type mm-hmm. of toll that's going to take and will you be able to work and what will you do financially and la, 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 la. So culturally, we actually have resistance to it for what it may mean. So that's that's where... You know, I'm, as I said, I'm not here to point fingers in any way. I just know what I want personally, but I just I think it's a, it is it's a for want of a better term, it's a complicated issue. I'm going to say though, Marcus, what you're describing there is very 
relevant and very pertinent in Australia, New Zealand, USA, many Western cultures. But here in Asia, it's actually usual, expected even, that our grandparents and parents will remain in the family home until they pass. And as you were saying, Damien, the same is true in places throughout Europe. So I think it's important for us to realize that the way that we live as individuals is just one version of normal. And if we want to live truly fulfilling, more flourishing lives, then perhaps we should take the opportunity to look at other cultures um, and adopt from them the practices that are healthiest and most beneficial to us as individuals and as a society, even if they're not ones that we have been taught or been raised into as children. Absolutely. We love eating other cultures' foods, taking on other cultures' beliefs. It <laughs> doesn't happen as um, organically as their food does. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Right. The Eudaimonia podcast, gentlemen, is all about making our lives more fulfilling and joyful. So tell me, how have your regular visits to Ikaria enhanced your day-to-day experience of life? Oh, this sounds a bit woo-woo, but I definitely think I'm I'm much better at enjoying the moment, whatever that moment might be. That could be screaming kids. Um, and, you know, I have friends that if I ever say, look, my kids are giving me the heebie-jeebies, they might say things like, I'd love to have your problems. And I go, that's a very good call um, at just bringing back uh, just the, the gratitude of, of any of any moment, any challenge, whatever it might be, um, because in Ikaria, again, they don't know how to rush. They don't know how to think of the future or the past. They are just in in that moment. And so, I'd like to think that I'm I'm very uh, well. I'm, I'm much improved at being in that moment, whatever it might be. Um, and I think just having a more of an awareness of uh, natural movement or what we would call over here probably incidental exercise, just. If it takes me longer, I'm happy to do it, you know, whether it's uh, walking somewhere instead of driving, whether it's parking further away from the shopping center entrance or the airport entrance, or I'm happy to make my life a little bit harder on a movement basis because Mm. I recognize that, you know, movement has become an optional extra. It's almost like a luxury that we don't really need uh, the way a lot of people behave these days. We could get it. We could get anywhere without moving. Uh, But in Ikaria, they've almost consciously made their lifestyle harder. They don't have public transport you know cars are overrated um they just walk everywhere so they're probably two things that i think uh, have made a significant impact and how about you damien well there's i mean there's there's a number of things kim that uh, have, have changed my life uh, the movement thing i think uh, i've been more conscious around the incidental movement i think like marcus is talking about you just instead of just automatically going for the car keys think can i can i walk there um and so that's that's been a really great thing from a food perspective um, sitting with the family at the dinner table, you know, believe it or not, I've I've also fallen into the trap of sitting down and watching the television um, whilst eating dinner. And uh, but bringing um, meals back to the table has been one of the most revolutionary things um, for our family. We've got a beautiful family, very close, and everyone's really happy. But being able to sit at the table and have uh, time for gratitude and time for conversation. Um, and then the the pace at which you eat your meal is totally different. So uh, doing that for breakfast and dinner has been uh, a really great thing for us, and we're very conscious of that. Um, from a connectedness perspective to the community, uh, I I've always I suppose wanted to be more part of communities, and and I enjoy meeting people, um, and I think that uh, just practicing that more every single day. Uh, 
reminds me of the things that I love the most about Ikaria. Uh, and so, you know, I suppose that has also, uh, you know, come back with me as well. And, and I, I still practice that. And, and my wife, Amber, she's in, in, enrolled in that vision for me. And my son has taken on that sort of um, approach as well. He likes to meet heaps of people. So the community thing too, I've brought that back. Look, it's the simplicity of the practices that you've changed that I noticed there. And as you've quite rightly pointed out, Marcus, we're not going to be able to just click our fingers and all of a sudden start living like Ikarians. However, it strikes me listening to you both there that there are small changes that we can each make if we simply make the intention and the commitment to do so. Yeah, there are principles and, and Damien and I have probably shared, I think there's probably 13 principles that we've identified that can can be applied in any corner of the earth. It's not... Yeah. It's not exclusive to the mm-hmm. location of Ikaria. It's, yeah. it's exclusive to the human race. So that's, I think, really important for people to remember. It's just that the, the thing is that on the flip side, though, is that when we experience something, you almost you can't help but make a change. You know, reading a book on longevity or watching a documentary on Ikaria or listening to a podcast of two people that have been there is no real guarantee to shift but sometimes when we experience something then that is the that is just the trigger and that's probably why Damien and I can't stop talking about it because um, mm-hmm. we've physically experienced it. I understand and you'd love for more people to have that experience and take away the magic of Ikaria with them. Sure. Now finally I ask this question of all of my guests can you each suggest one morning reminder so this could be a daily practice a mantra or an affirmation that my listeners can use to help them retain some form of youthfulness whether that be physical emotional or spiritual as they go through their day yeah absolutely and i love this question kim because uh, a lot of people forget to do this you know it's quite easy to roll over uh, in bed check your phone see what you missed out on and, uh, and a lot of people do that immediately. They, the lights go on or the alarm goes off and, and they do that. And the first thing they've done is actually check their phone. Uh, but the first thing that I like to do in the morning and the same as Amber is to say good morning to each other. Mm. And I think that's a really important thing to do, that the, the person that you love and you want to spend the rest of your life with, that you don't ignore them from the word go. You acknowledge them. And uh, and so I roll over and say, you know, good morning. And she'll say good morning. I say, how'd you sleep? And she might complain that I snored or whatever it was, but uh, <laughs> but it's just a really nice way just to connect before we get on with that day. You know, mm. one of us will go and have a shower and the other person might go off for exercise or whatever else it is. But we always start the day by saying good morning um, and hello and how did you sleep? And I think that's just a really, for, for us, it brings us back to um, the essence of our relationship, and uh, which is a closeness and a connectedness. That's beautiful, Domo. I love that. Um, well, it's <laughs> interesting that, this conversation around checking email and phones is is almost like that is not the barrier, but there's a spin-off from that that goes in so many areas. And so, yeah, Damo's was uh, saying hi to uh, Amber and not checking the phone. Mine is very similar um, in that uh, a lot of people check their email or check the news over breakfast in the morning or social media. And their kids might be sitting right by them or their kids might be watching TV or their kids might be playing an app on an iPad. And it, it, it sounds ridiculous, but gosh, I've done so many talks on this and whether it's bankers or real estate investors or mums and dads of any background. And one of the things is, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have breakfast with my kids and just literally talk to my kids. Mm. Um, I'm not going to know where my phone is. 
Um, I'm going to have no TV on in the background sharing news of murder and foreign affairs. I'm just going to <laughs> sit and talk to my kids. And, and that might be hearing the kids talk about their new made-up words like farts and kill and crazy <laughs> and all the rest of it. Um, and you might just be sitting there with your kids. And it might even be a little bit boring. Um, but you can actually just be present with whatever it is that they're up to and just w- literally watch. Uh, this is for me, obviously, just watch your children growing up in front of you. And it might only take five minutes before they start hitting each other and they end up having to leave the table because they haven't earned the right to sitting at the table any longer. But it's one of those things where you go, these moments are precious. And again, I have friends that remind me of that on a regular basis. And that's something which in Ikaria, it they just do. They wouldn't even know that they're not, you know, that they're doing it or not doing it. It's just something that is um, innate. And so I think that whole um, getting rid of email or news or social media for the things that are important in your life, whether it's giving your wife a kiss, a hug and a hello in the morning or having breakfast with your loved ones, um, even just having a quiet breakfast with yourself and sharing that, uh, developing a relationship with self. I think that morning ritual um, is absolutely vital. And yet again, so simple, gentlemen. Well, for those of my listeners who want to learn more about your trips to Ikaria and perhaps experience the youthfulness of these residents, how can they learn more? It's a trip for the crazy ones, Kim. There's no doubt about it. It's a group <laughs> Don't maximum come if you're not 20 crazy. of us. The first group were the Ikarian Immortals in 2016. In 2018, we called ourselves the Invincibles. Uh, the name of the group is always decided on by the group uh, on the first night in Ikaria. Night one is September 4, this year 2019. We go through to September 13. Um, it is uh, yeah, flying into Athens and into Ikaria. It's 10 days of immersion in this little village called Nas. We base ourselves where National Geographic were based when they were doing all of the research um, on the Blue Zones and, and specifically on Ikaria. Um, Thayer's Inn and Restaurant is our base. We stay at various accommodations throughout this little village of Nas where, as Damien says, um, everyone knows each other and everyone is somehow related. It is as much a living with the locals immersion as you can get. Um, we do things like go for hikes. We uh, we pick wild peppermint and make uh, our own essential oil of peppermint, Ikarian style. We go to a winery where Homer wrote parts of the Odyssey and referred to the, the wine. It's probably yeah, the oldest wine in Greece. We uh, swim in the ocean. We eat bread, drink wine, have uh, life-changing conversations and and do it all um, on the island where people forget to die. And all of that information is at 100notout.com. Uh, it is by application only, we like to say, because it is a special group that comes on this trip. It is a bucket list, you know, once-in-a-lifetime type trip. So um, if you are interested, you will fill out an application form um, and then Damien or myself will follow up with you and um, let you know a few extra things, ask you some important questions, make sure that you're the right fit for us and we're the right fit for you. And um, if all the stars align, then um, you join us in uh, September this year. Well, that was fantastic, Marcus, and very, very informative. Well, Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce, thank you so much for being a part of the Eudaimonia podcast. Thank you so much, Kim. I've really enjoyed it. It's been lovely. Me too. It's been great to have a a trio and our first time uh, being interviewed uh, together, Damo. So thanks for giving us that opportunity, Kim. Thoroughly enjoyed it. The iconic supermodel, Twiggy, once said, Being young isn't about age. It's about being a free spirit. You can meet someone of 20 who's boring and old, or you can meet someone of 70 who's youthful and exciting. 
You've been listening to the Eudaimonia podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how to live a truly flourishing life, please subscribe and check out eudaimoniapod.com for more inspiring episodes. I'm Kim Forrester. Until next time, be well, be kind to yourself, and be as youthful as you dare. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.